think that there's a stupidity to the five that is inviting. Like they'll do three news stories, usually the A block, the B block, the C block, and then sometimes they'll do a fourth and then they go into just completely stupid stuff where they'll be like, they have a section called the fastest and there'll be stuff like emojis at work. Let's talk about emojis. Let's talk about junk drawers. Let's talk about haircuts. And I'm sitting here going, stop it. I hate my life. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Aaron Rupar Show. Uh, Longtime followers of my work probably are aware that I've spent many, many years now watching Fox News. Um, I got into that back in the fall of 2017 when I happened to see an interview of John Kelly, who was at that time the White House Chief of Staff on Laura Ingram's show. And this was, of course, just following the Charlottesville demonstrations um, and Trump endorsing the white supremacists who were protesting in Charlottesville. And John Kelly was on Laura Ingram's show defending the honor of Confederate generals and saying that they fought for heritage, not slavery. I posted this clip. It went super viral. And right away, it opened my eyes to the appetite that people had to kind of understand what was going on on Fox. And um, that's obviously important because Fox and the Republican Party have a ton of overlap these days. And on today's podcast, I'm really excited to talk to Juliet Jeske, who, like myself, has been immersed in Fox for a long time. Juliet is the author of the Decoding Fox News newsletter. So each week she goes deep on a number of Fox News shows and then puts together a newsletter kind of debunking misinformation talking about topics that get heavy play on Fox programming and just generally helping mostly, uh, you know, people who are center or left uh, understand what's going on on Fox. But as you'll hear during our during our interview, we also talk about people who watch Fox in earnest, who Juliet has reached with her work and kind of opening their eyes to the amount of BS uh, that occurs on Fox on a daily basis. So I think you'll enjoy our conversation Uh, Before we get to it, I just want to remind you that if this is your first time listening or if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do that wherever you get your podcasts. I also post the footage of each of these on YouTube, so please subscribe to my YouTube page and wherever you can, if you have opportunities to either spread the word about the podcast or leave positive reviews, please do that as well. Um, I'm dropping this episode on a Tuesday because I'm taking a mini vacation Wednesday through Friday, but I'll be back to the normal schedule next week of recording on Wednesdays and publishing them later that evening. So look for the next Aaron Rupar show, which will feature Thor Benson in eight days time. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Juliet. Welcome to the Aaron Rupar show. And I'm very happy today to be joined by Juliet Jeske, the author of Decoding Fox News. Uh, Juliet, do you consider yourself Mainly an author, publisher. What what title do you use to describe your role? I call myself the manager of a media project. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, because you have a little bit of grant funding as well. So um, maybe it's more of a project at this point. It, it Maybe that's a good place to start. Is is Decoding Fox News, do you see that being kind of your long-term thing? Or are you viewing this as something you're doing for now and maybe branch off into other interests later? It sort of turned into a long-term thing. It was meant to be, originally, they they thought they were only going to give me a grant for six months and just see where it went. And thankfully, they decided to go for a full year. And that was great because it didn't really kick in. It didn't really, the audience didn't really sort of happen until it was about six months in. And mm-hmm. then it kept growing. But uh, 
Yeah, I love working in the disinformation, misinformation realm and debunking conspiracy theories and uh yeah, and and you're really good at it. And Thank just, you. Just before before I forget, uh, everybody should check out Julia's work at Decoding Fox News on Substack. Um, I believe probably just Googling Decoding Fox News will probably take people to your site. But correct me if I'm wrong, or if there's special instructions for how people access your work. But um, I've definitely noticed your tweets getting more and more circulation. And uh, Juliet's really good, as she just mentioned, at debunking misinformation and kind of putting Fox into context, um, which is, you know, something I also aspire to do. But Julia's work, uh, Juliet's work, excuse me, is uh, very produced in the sense that um, you put together videos that have a lot of context within them. And um, you you, you almost never present anything from Fox out of context. It's always kind of with a fact check or a debunk. And so I think that's really useful work. And I think maybe a good question to start with is just why you decided on Fox News as your focus. Um, Was right-wing media something that you were interested in before delving into this project? Or did you you have other reasons? Maybe this was part of your grant project that they wanted some research done on Fox. I'll try to make this as short as possible, but I sort of accidentally start researching the Proud Boys before other anybody but the press that was already dedicated to extremism knew who the Proud Boys were. And I stumbled on them because I knew somebody got radicalized. I didn't know this person that well, um, but the, the I don't even want to gender this person, but they, they started showing up on Gavin McInnes' show. Uh, the Gavin McInnes' show, which is like an online streaming show, I started capturing it because I was horrified by what I was seeing. And I eventually started working with journalists. I also worked with the FBI briefly, but I didn't really do much. They didn't really do much with anything I gave them. And I was like, well, Mm. they don't seem to care that this guy keeps inciting violence and he's starting this group and he's incentivizing violence. And like, seriously, you don't care? Okay, well, I started working with journalists and I would just give them free um, coverage of the Gavin McInnes show. And nobody else was watching it. It's 407 episodes. I ended up capturing all 407 of them. That took wow. serious time. What what uh, then, what year was this? Was this that was started in 2016? I started okay. I started following him basically as he was putting the group together in real time, hmm. and I didn't capture the episodes in order. They're all out of order because I was just going for. I made a spreadsheet. That's why the spreadsheet's my logo of every single episode, and then I strategically went after guests based on the time I had rather than trying to go through, you know, episode one through 407. I was like, no, I got to get the guests, got to get the guests. So Milo and like Richard Spencer and like all no, these that, people. That's a name from the past, Milo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Milo. Um, and so basically what happened when I got to, I'd already done that. And I, there's a whole crazy story with that, which I won't waste time with, but um, crazy, crazy story where I had cops in my apartment and they thought I was part of the group and all this stuff. And I was like, no, oh, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's too long of a story. But anyway, it changed my life. I decided I'm going to go to J school and get a master's and do this for a living. And um, when I was in J school, they didn't really know what to do with somebody with extremism background. They just flat mm-hmm. out did. They had no clue. They were, I was like the only one. And they were kind of like, huh? And uh, for my capstone, which is basically a thesis, I went, I did basically what I did for Gavin McInnes, but I did Tucker Carlson, um, OANN, and Nick Fuentes. And then I compared mm-hmm. it to, I had a control because this is more academic with this, this MS, NBC morning show called like morning now or something, and then PBS. And so mm-hmm. I tracked them for three months and I basically did a compare contrast of like what everybody was covering. 
and found a lot of overlap between Fuentes and Tucker Carlson, which was disturbing. And mm. then basically that ended up being about COVID because that's what it was kind of about. That was like the story that three months. And then somebody from my school sat me down and he said, um, oh, my God, I love your caption. I'm obsessed. And then like he, wow. Jeff Jarvis, he's very well known in media. Oh, Jeff yeah. Jarvis. Yep. I know Jeff. He knows you. He mentioned you actually. Oh, really? The process. Yes, he did. He's a big fan. Yeah, and he, he sat me down. Bit, yeah. He sat me down and he goes, would you do this? But do it about Fox. And I'm like, OK, sure. <laughs> yeah. And then we sort of put it together and designed it together. I kind of over designed it because it's a lot of work. I like never stop working. But now I do three shows a day of Fox and then one PBS News Hour, And then every yeah. single week I compare Fox to PBS. But the main focus is Fox. But PBS is sort of the control of yeah. like, this is how normal, nonpartisan news, high quality, you know, reported sure. on. And this is what Fox was talking about. <laughs> Fox yeah. Was talking and about I really. Drag queens, you know, it's like. Right. And that's actually a really valuable part of your newsletter is the kind of the comparison with PBS. And then also, I really appreciate the section that you have on what Fox isn't covering. um, Because long. It takes forever to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and and someone like myself who watches a lot of Fox as two, you know, sometimes I kind of lose sight of things that aren't covered. And, you know, one that came through in a recent newsletter I thought was an interesting observation is how Fox covers, for instance, like inflation or macroeconomic problems as though any sort of issue of that sort is Biden's fault. Um, yes. You know, there was some sort of unique policy choice that, that he made or, you know, he's inflicting pain upon the American people. And then when you contrast that, like with PBS, where they make sure to put things in kind of more of a global context, you know, talk about COVID being, you know, a factor with supply chain problems that contribute to inflation, things like that. And so, you know, if, if you're just kind of immersed in Fox, you can kind of lose sight of these yeah. dimensions to stories that they just never bother mentioning because it it you know it's not helpful for their the politics that they're trying to push yeah it's not part of their narrative so they just don't i mean they they flat out say they've said as you know because you consume a lot of fox too is that they'll say oh the inflation was purposely caused by biden and the democrats to wreck the economy to make us all go green and to change radically our society and you know different versions of that Sure. Um, and meanwhile, you turn on PBS and they're like the EU uh, just raised interest rates because uh, their inflation is 8.5 percent. Ours is 6 percent. You know, right. It gives you more perspective like, oh, this is global. This is all over the world. Whereas Fox just, oh, it's Biden. You know, and it's like that's just one of many examples of their incredibly warped coverage of just leaving out lying through emission which yeah. is a big part of the network. And the, uh, the other thing that's very funny that I should add when I was in grad school that you would get a kick out of because it's you too. Um, when I was in grad, because I was a fan of your work way before I, I probably a couple of years before I got into grad school. But I, uh, when I was in grad school, faculty and other students would say this to me a lot, which always, it just made me laugh. They'd go, how do you do that? How do you watch Fox News? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, Fox must be for you kind of like, you know, light content it compared is. to Gavin McGinnis or watching, you know, kind yeah. of extremist uh, programming. I mean, you know, you made an interesting point earlier, which I think at this point has has become um, maybe kind of obvious to people that, you know, when you watch Tucker Carlson, there's a lot of overlap. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Tucker is extremist TV more so than ever. And so, you know, to act like there's a big distinction between, you know, watching something that's even further right, you know, Gavin McGinnis, though, I don't think he has a show anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But he does um, on a okay. he does on a really goofy network, his own network. 
that I think is very low rent. And it's just, um, it's sad. He's basically trying to be compound media, but he doesn't have the following. Because uh, he kind of, you know, when he sold out the Proud Boys, he like quit the group in 2018 to save his own butt. And he, uh, you know, still tried to hang on, but not really because he didn't want to risk getting deported because he's not American. Uh, he's Canadian. Uh, he basically quit the group officially, and I don't think he's ever really recovered from that because I think his followers kind of were like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, really, dude? And he still tries to thread the needle of like, I founded the Proud Boys. I am the Proud Boys. But oh, I'm not 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 the leader. <laughs> yeah. not, no, no. Because he just, you know, he doesn't want to pay for the he doesn't want to suffer the consequences. So sure. Oh, he's, he's, so he's just, on uh, he's on the Bill O'Reilly path of uh, yeah. having a show that no one seems to be aware of, but he's yeah. still kind of out there. Yeah, it's totally what he does. Like he just interviewed uh, Ye West for something stupid. Like, really, oh, you're wow. that desperate. That's actually, well, that's I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that got some clicks, I would think. Oh, um, yeah, but it was least, but... just disgusting. It's like, oh, look, I have the worst person on the planet. Let's interview him. Ah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And. You obviously spend a lot of time um, debunking the nonsense on Fox and, you know, kind of explaining lies by omission and ways in which if you're consuming this content earnestly, it would kind of warp you. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious, you know, what do you see as is your audience? I'm assuming it's mainly kind of people like me or other you know, lefties who want to understand Fox, but don't necessarily want to watch it or have the time and energy to watch it or the stomach for it like you do. Um, but I'm curious, have you heard from any people who, you know, at one time or another have actually been fans of Fox who have told you, boy, you know, this has really kind of opened my eyes to what's going on there. And, you know, maybe you've kind of affected some change that way in the sense that um, you're kind of pulling back the drapes a little bit on what Fox is for people who might not have understood it before encountering your work. I have a far more diverse audience than I thought I was going to have. Um, I have far more moderate Republicans and former Republicans and former fans of Fox News than I ever thought I would get. And they tell me, like, I used to follow Fox. Sometimes they get, they, they'll unsubscribe or they get mad because I'll post something like, I have a trans cousin and I've posted stuff in uh, support of the trans community. And I've had a couple, a few people get really angry with me over that. And I don't know if they're former Republicans or not, but they were followers of mine who are like, how dare you? There's only two genders. And I just go, well, you know, maybe if you had a relative or friend who went through this, you'd see it differently. I mm -hmm. try to be chill about it because uh, I think people respond more to chill than militant. Like, how dare you? You know, if you're sure. just very like, hey, calm down. Um, it's OK. We can disagree. But, you know, trans people are human beings. Please, you know, don't yeah. go on these. Uh, don't say horrible things. But uh, so. And I, you know, who knows, maybe some of those, I shouldn't assume some of the people who've gotten mad at me over the trans stuff uh, are Republican. They may have been Democrat. I don't know. I won't mm -hmm. make any assumptions, but I do know that I have, based on the the feedback I've gotten and the bios I've read about, like from their Twitter handles and stuff, I have a fair amount of Republican followers and some, a hmm. lot of them that follow the bulwark as well, follow me. Yeah. Um, and I try, I go out of my way to not push my own politics in my stuff. I will say stuff like, I think like trans LGBTQ, that's just a human rights issue for me. Sure. I don't think that that is political. Like just they're human beings. People treat people like human beings, give them respect. Mm -hmm. They should not be harassed or anything like that. And you can definitely tell I'm like 
against racism but like i try not sure. to be like sadly that's become yeah political <laughs> that's be yeah that's become partisan <laughs> these days if you're against but, racism, yeah. you're, you're but like... like i try not to push like yeah. oh like this democrat i don't like this democrat i love and this you know i try not to do that yeah. i try to just keep my opinion out of it there's i have opinions about various people in the political sphere but i try to just not push it because i don't want to alienate people i'd rather have them come to to get the stuff on Fox and not mm -hmm. be the Juliet Jeske political opinion show. Well, and, and yesterday <laughs> was kind of a scary day for a lot of that because obviously the terrible shooting in Nashville, which we learned later um, was uh, allegedly carried out by a trans woman. And um, I, you know, so I tuned in and I don't know if you had this experience yesterday. I know you were busy writing your newsletter. So I'm not sure how much time you had to actually watch Fox yesterday, but I was really dreading, tuning in um, because over especially I think the past couple years and maybe you have thoughts on this too you know it seems like transphobia has become a more and more central part of Fox's brand and they kind of sanitize it you know in the context of like concerns about women in sports or mm -hmm. kind of like gender issues um, Riley Gaines who is a former college swimmer has become a regular mm -hmm. guest on a variety of shows and she's you know, out there really kind of um, trying to raise awareness or kind of demagoguing, you know, trans women competing in sports. Um, you know, they've, there's even been the very grotesque spectacle of Caitlyn Jenner going on there to push transphobia. And so it's become a very kind of core part of their brand. And in the wake of this shooting, I was especially dreading Tucker Carlson uh, to see what he would say. And I'm, so I'm not sure if you noticed this as well, but I watched it. You, you did, I think, before we started recording, mention that you watched Jesse Waters mm -hmm. yesterday and his treatment was quite similar to Tucker Carlson's, where at the beginning of each of their respective shows, they had kind of a news update that takes mm -hmm. through the facts, of course, mentioned that the shooter uh, is transgender, but then they kind of moved on to other issues. Now, Tucker, at the end of his show, was teasing heavily that he is going to make the shooting a big focus of tonight's show. So I don't want to get ahead of, um, you know, or, or kind of say, say something that ends up aging poorly because of content, you know, coverage that happens 12 hours later. But, um, you know, so do you think that that's kind of, is that consistent with what you've noticed as well, that transphobia has become kind of a bigger part of Fox's brand? And, um, you know, I guess you've already kind of talked about how you, how you handle that in your newsletter, that you kind of view that as, as sort of a core human right and and hence you know um you know it's it's not something you can necessarily debunk other than to kind of insist that trans people are human but yeah. um your you know your background having a trans relative i think is um reflective of a lot of people's experiences and unfortunately with conservative politics in the states these days so often republicans need to have that sort of personal experience before they kind of come around to rationality and i guess it's just unfortunate that more people don't have trans people in their lives like that yeah, I mean, I think what Fox has done, which is really, truly sick, is they've decided that, okay, now we can't go after gay people, like lesbians and gay men. We can't go after gay people, uh, so we're going to go after trans people. We'll demonize trans people. And then they weirdly roped in drag queens, which are performers, which have nothing to do. I mean, it's just... Any technically anybody can be a drag queen. I live in New York mm -hmm. City where I know women who are drag queens who dress up in crazy costumes and don personas and they go to drag shows and they perform at drag shows, but they're biological women and I, not a ton of them. They're they tend to be queer and uh, yeah. they, you know, they're part of that spectrum and they love it and they're just performers. They're just performers. That's all it is. Um, but they have decided that somehow 
trans, the trans movement is about children and they'll use terms like mutilation of children and castration of children, which that's not happening. Uh, it's, it's sort of, uh, I think the average age of gender reassignment surgery is 29.5. Uh, and so that's almost 30 years old. And uh, there, there is, you know, if you look up the data, there's some conflicting stuff, but most like surgic surgery, surgery is almost never done on minors. And if it is, it's a teenager and it's something that's not, it's usually not genital at all. It's, it's something uh, it might be a mastectomy or not, but that's, it's not very common. And, and mm. Fox acts like every single child who identifies as trans at age five is going to the doctor the next day and getting right. radical surgery. That's just not what happens. So I, I, and what's interesting about my cousin is she's from a lower, uh, like lower income in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Uh, so the idea that, you know, I think there's this perception too on Fox that trans is a trend and it's only coming out in the coast and it's only rich people who like, look at my trans child to, to be trendy, to be hip. And I'm like, wow, Erica, you know, grew up in a trailer and like, yeah. came with, had no money her whole life and uh, struggled and had a lot of difficulties her whole life. And it wasn't until she was an adult, uh, you know, like fairly late decided that, Hey, I finally figured this out. I'm trans. And since she came out and transitioned, it's been much, she's had a much easier road. Um, and that was the struggle she was dealing with her whole life. And she didn't know how to, she didn't know how to talk about it. She didn't know how to, to express it. And I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Cause I'm a very boring cisgender woman who's <laughs> straight and <laughs> don't i don't sell even, yourself short you know i mean it's just sort of like I, you know i i can't even fathom looking in the mirror and going that's not right what i see is not right we're yeah. feeling trapped i i don't even i can't i i have no idea what that would be like but that's what uh, trans people have described it as feeling trapped and i'm like wow yeah. so uh, you well, know and that yeah sorry go ahead and well no and, and you know it's kind of a chicken and egg thing i feel like because um you know i think Fox is responsive to viewers. I think we definitely have seen that with how they've handled Trump. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of information about this with the Dominion lawsuit and some of the texts that have come out that, you know, a lot of these hosts didn't really um, believe some of the things that they were promoting on air in terms of the election lies and conspiracy theories. And um, I think there's, you know, kind of a similar dynamic with the, you know, I think you put it well with it's like it's more of a war on queerness than anything else, mm -hmm. because it's not just trans people. It's also homosexuality and any sort of, you know, um, you know, any sort of LGBT identity um, is kind of under attack by Fox. And, you know, I'm just not quite sure if that's, you know, like an editorial decision that comes down from executives there, if it's more of an organic, so to speak, response to what they think that their viewers want to hear. But you know, regardless, I think that, you know, it permeates into elected officials in the Republican Party. And so I think it's incorrect to kind of view Fox as like this fringe uh, oh, yeah. bubble. You know, it really does kind of uh, promote talking points and policy positions that are at the core of Republican politics, which, of course, Republicans control the House right now. You know, there's a good chance that a Republican returns to the White House in 2025. So it's not really this kind of fringe thing. And it is really um, kind of sad how much, you know, a, a war on queerness has become kind of central to that that brand of politics and that brand of media. Well, PBS just had a thing with a story where they said 
150 laws across the country that are directed at the trans community, anti-trans laws across 150. And I just, I mean, that's staggering. And so that's, mm. in some cases, those are states, some are cities, all these, you know, anti-drag queens, anti-trans, anti-gender affirming care uh, across the country. And uh, I think it was just in Kentucky, the governor vetoed a law that would get rid of all gender affirming care. And that's including in adults. And uh the legislature is probably going to be able to surpass his veto, override his veto. So it's just, it's Georgia just passed something. This is all from PBS last week. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, I just you wrote actually, it last You got week. good information from yeah. them, not uh, so, brain poison. Yeah. yeah so Georgia also just banned gender affirming care for most minors um, in most situations. And it's just, it's a very, it's like they found a new wedge that they can go after in the culture war and that's right. trans people. And I just think it's very unfortunate because trans people are real human beings who are going to suffer mm -hmm. because of this. They're not just a pawn for you to use to get your ratings up or to get people out to the polls They're actual human beings that suffer because uh, you've demonized them. And that's one of the, I find that one of the hardest things to cover sometimes when they go on their, their, they're anti-LGBTQ yeah. rants. Because it's, it's also kind of gross to, I feel gross sharing that stuff. You know, yeah. sometimes it's newsworthy. You know, if, the, if there's like an elected official who's saying these things on Fox or, um, you know, if, if a host says something that's really egregious, you know, I think it's worth highlighting. But I, I feel kind of bad sometimes having videos Agreed. like that on my on my feed or in my newsletter. Agreed. I have I have similar feelings. There's times where I don't clip something because I just get so like, uh and then I'll see somebody else who covers Fox clips it. And I'm like, maybe I should have clipped it. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I know I didn't because I was just disgusted by it. I liked it. My favorite thing to do is like when uh, Hannity will say something stupid, like we're not producing oil or gas anymore. And then I'll make a quick video that's like, actually, the United States is the number one producer of crude oil in the world. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like That's my favorite. That's an like, easy one where it's uh, yeah. kind of a clean, clean shot, you know, like you, I, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no yeah. way that I'm. Yeah. And I'm not having to delve into Tucker Carlson saying something horrible or, you know, like yeah. I. My or 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 another one that does really well for me is my favorites are the deuce when Ducey goes rogue, which is when Steve Ducey says something nuts. Sure. And I'm like, of friends. yeah, that doesn't yeah. happen very often, but he's he has a tendency. And I don't people ask all the time, is that scripted or is he spontaneously doing that? I'm like, I have no idea. But he'll just be like, you know, Trump's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's because I, I work briefly for a television station in the Twin Cities that um coincidentally is a Fox News affiliate. It's a local oh, wow. Fox station, but you know, the newsroom at that, it's Fox 9 uh, here in the Twin Cities, um, was not really particularly political at all. I mean, we had a Capitol reporter in St. Paul who would cover political stories, but never was it, you know, kind of charged with, you know, culture war stuff. It was just, you know, TV news in a local market tends to be pretty anodyne, and it was there too. Um, but that experience kind of taught me, like, I, I don't think that when Ducey goes rogue or when Brian <laughs> Kilmeade, you know, today uh, before he hopped in this call... Kilmeade was responding to Trump's interview with Hannity last night, which is kind of the big Fox news of the day, at least to me, was that Hannity gave Trump a platform for an hour, you know, a whole segment of which was devoted to trashing Ron DeSantis with no pushback whatsoever. And DeSantis, of course, has been heavily promoted by Fox, including especially by Brian Kilmeade. And so Kilmeade was 
a little bit disappointed in Fox or excuse me, disappointed in Trump urging him not to punch down on DeSantis and to mm-hmm. instead focus on touting his accomplishments and drawing a contrast as if Trump, you know, at this point is capable of changing. But I don't think that when Kilmeade says stuff like that or when Ducey, you know, on occasion has kind of defended vaccines, for instance, that this is like scripted or something that comes down from high. I just think that when you're doing four hours of television a day, especially in more of a talk show format, like your own views are going to seep through a little bit. Um, But, yeah, that is where, you know, a lot of the intrigue with Fox, um, some of the most interesting clips come from when um you know hosts kind of get off message and say something that in you know many cases is actually much more truthful in what they usually say but kind of contradicts with the talking points that you usually hear on fox yeah 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 it it's it's been uh those are my favorite moments like because it's it's sort of like they're breaking out of the matrix a little bit uh instead of this the usual um same spin that they put on everything so yeah. it's i i like wait for those moments i also I personally find Judge Janine hilarious, and some people don't quite get my uh, my appreciation for her eccentricity. It's like I don't agree with anything she says. It's just that she will occasionally throw a pen at, you know, Great Gutfeld's head, and that's funny. Or she'll snap at somebody and just like, whoo! Yeah, this is actually, I I wanted to ask you about this. So for people who kind of follow on casually, um, for a long time, Tucker Carlson had the top rated show on cable news period mm-hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong um i don't see a lot of ratings talk in your newsletter i guess so maybe this isn't something that you you cover extensively but the the five has surpassed tucker in ratings one. now right yeah the five is number um, one what do you think explains that because like I, you know full disclosure my, my viewing habits with fox these days are i have it kind of on in the background and when i see like a lindsey graham or a tom cotton or kevin mccarthy that's when i really tune in and start listening and possibly clipping. But a lot of the stuff that's just hosts kind of riffing or monologues, I don't always watch that stuff because I have other things I have to do. And it's not really usually that newsworthy. Um, it's just kind of the stuff that you would, when you watch the Fox, you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. But, and, and so that's basically what the five is. I mean, they never really have guests. It's five hosts no. um, bantering with each other. And yet it's been this rating smash at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, so what explains that? Why is this show such a smash hit? I think it's a smash it because it's really dumb. I mean, it's just easily to, con- it's, e- it's like sad. popcorn. It's popcorn. It's, if you think about it, it's like, who's, who's watching television at 5 PM? People who are retired for the most part, or people who don't have a traditional job. And so you've got a lot of uh, the, the entire cable news audience skews older. So you're talking about people in their senior years who uh, probably aren't working anymore, who turn on, tv and they get to sit around and see their five friends chat and i think that there's a stupidity to the five that is is uh inviting um they have sections like they'll do three news stories usually the a block the b block the c block and then sometimes they'll do a fourth and then they go into just completely stupid stuff where they'll be like they have a section called the fastest and where it's just two quick stories sometimes it's only one Sometimes it's three, whatever. And there'll be stuff like emojis at work. Let's talk about emojis. Let's talk about junk drawers. Let's talk about haircuts. You know, and you're like, shut up. And I'm sitting here going, stop it. I hate my life. (laughs) But I was, when I got my grant, the the shows that I was asked to do by Jeff Jarvis and um, were Fox and Friends, The Five. And then I basically said, well, let's do a different uh primetime show 
And so I was in like rotation and I usually go by order. I go Jesse Waters, Tucker, Hannity, Ingram. Mm. I don't do Gutfeld because it's not a, really a news show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just not, I watched well, the ratings episode. for that are great too. Like uh, that, that blows my mind. It is well, really not funny at all, but some I mean, of that is yeah. a little miss. Uh, it's a little, a little misleading. He and the West coast, apparently he's on like eight o'clock at night. So hmm. to call him a late night show is a bit ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. Somebody from LA pointed that out to me and I was like, no way, really? And they're like, yeah, he's on that like makes super sense. early. Yeah. So that makes to compare sense, him with yeah. Colbert and stuff doesn't really make a ton of sense. He's not actually competing with them. Yeah. But Fox, you know, and he's the only conservative on who's doing a quote unquote comedy show. I sure. I just I watched one episode and went, absolutely not. I'm not watching that again. That's not a news program. It's just yeah. him like telling bad jokes and people talking. It's horrible. It's kind of like the five, though. It's a panel. It's four yeah. people. Like, we're going to talk about nothing. Right. But, um, no, the five is just, it's like candy. And I think that's why people like it. And it's also, they were smart in programming it. Um, I talked to a reporter who's a bit older than me, who has more experience in the whole realm. And he said, it's a very well-programmed show in that hmm. they picked kind of the right personalities for that show. So you've got Judge sure. Janine, who's like completely unpredictable and she'll just go off. And then you've got um, Jesse Waters. Gutfeld's who, on there. And, yeah, Gutfeld yeah. will say anything. He often says horrible things. Do, they, and do then, they still have the token liberal on there? Yeah, they do. And is the it, best is it Jessica? They is move she, them around. They yeah. have a rotation. Jessica's the only decent one. Uh, Geraldo Rivera will sometimes get a few zingers in that I'm like, he shocks me that I'm like, wow, there's still something there, Geraldo, rather than just, oh yeah, you guys are right. Okay. I just want to get along with everybody. That's usually yeah. Geraldo. And then they have Harold Ford Jr. on who I would call just a moderate. He's not even yeah. a liberal because he just, no. he's like, I think we should build a wall and that George W. Bush was a great president. Right. Like, how the hell are you a liberal? Which is like, yeah, that's like an endangered <laughs> species. The uh, George W. Bush Republican is not. Yeah, uh, he's, that's, like, you know. he's like, and he calls himself a Democrat. I'm like, that's funny. <sighs> but uh, he and he said, I like Trump. And I'm like, what? Who are you? But uh, Tarloff is the only like really feisty, well-informed. They also have a, a guy named Fowler on. He's not on very often. And he was just on last week and uh, Gutfeld chewed him out because he didn't like how he was pronouncing certain words. And I thought to myself, that's interesting, Gutfeld, because you've had um, Megan McDowell on there and she's got a very, very thick Southern accent. I've never seen you do that to her. But a black mm. man. Oh, Richard Fowler. Yeah, you'll correct how he pronounces yeah. words. Really, that's very interesting, Gutfeld. Well, I... Garbage. Anyway. <laughs> Well, I, and uh, I think you you nailed it where, you know, you think of CNN or MSNBC and it's like being smart is the goal, right? You want to be informative. Yeah. You want to be smart. You want to be compelling. But the whole secret of the five is the opposite. It's being dumb. It's being kind of reactionary. Just you know, emotionally it's like, reacting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Emotionally yeah. reacting to something. Oh, my God. This is crazy. What they're like. I do a Judge Janine and my. My Judge Janine. Oh, that's good. Yeah. My, she's all. I'm sorry for the audio. I'm gonna just say that now. I'm probably blowing it out. I'll try to back off the mic a bit. But Judge Janine, <laughs> I don't know how her audio people even survive a given day, and because she just that's like good. she'll just yeah she'll just throw stuff and just, shut up and that's how I see it and just and talk about emotionally reacting. Woo! And then Jesse Waters is like I. I have joked before, like, I don't know how he functions because he says stuff that's so profoundly stupid that I'm like, I get this is just 
I can't even handle him. Like dumb, dumb. Oh my God. That man. And that's, you know, and the, and the amazing thing is that yes, you know, he's painfully dumb, but you tune into his show on a given day. I believe yesterday he had uh, Kevin McCarthy on there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, does Kevin McCarthy, he must enjoy his show, right? It's not like he doesn't know what's going on in the show. And so, you know, a lot of these Republicans are kind of endorsing this stuff by appearing on shows like that, um, which I always find to be kind of fascinating because if you watch the shows, you would think you wouldn't want to be associated with the stuff, but there they They don't care. They don't care. And they, and, and, and uh, what's interesting about waters, I, I don't like, okay. So, when uh, Tucker does his show, he'll bleed into Hannity. And at the end of his show, he like chats with Hannity for a bit. When Hannity ends his show, he chats with Ingram a little bit live. They'll be like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I love mm-hmm. you. You're fabulous. Oh, I'll joke about their outfits, whatever. Nobody does that with, with uh, they, they, Waters. is just, he does his show. He jokes for the show before his with Brett Baer. And then it's just, oh, Tucker. There's no overlap. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah. I think there's a reason, because I don't think the other three kind of respect him. That's my gut feeling. Because huh. the other three have been around a lot longer. And uh, but we learned like, from the the Dominion text did not really feature Jesse Waters no. at all, right? So he's not really he, in the he's not in the group text with all these other, you know, Ingram. And, yeah. and he only recently got a primetime show. So it yeah. could also be that the Dominion stuff is going further back. Yeah, And not getting him when he, he had a primetime yep. show but i don't i don't think he chats with those other three i think those three chat with each yeah. other all the time but i don't i think he's sort of the newcomer who's not really up to their because he and he does well in the ratings yeah his he, ratings are strong he's also at seven so i think they yeah. fox viewers they've done studies that fox fox viewers will keep the network on the all day long My they goodness. won't change the channel which is like what whereas uh, a consumer of msnbc or cnn okay. will watch one show and then move on or a Fox, a Fox viewer will keep the network on the entire day. Yeah. They'll watch anything. And they were worried a couple of years ago about Newsmax cutting into their audience. And of course, that's a big theme of the Dominion, uh, the, you know, the text messages that have been yeah. surfaced as a result of this Dominion lawsuit. But they've really fended that off. Um, you know, I still end up watching some Newsmax just because they <laughs> do pull pretty big guests on there. You know, you'll get Kevin McCarthy. You'll get all the same people who go on Fox will occasionally go on Newsmax. And so... A lot of the news happens during those interviews, at least the stuff that I'm trying to monitor. But um, it's not like Fox really has much to worry about from competitors who are further right, like Newsmax or OAN at this point, even though Newsmax is back on DirecTV now. Uh, one other thing I just want to mention, I, I do want to get to some Trump stuff before we wrap, but um, I don't know if you've noticed, I find it quite humorous that Hannity now has a studio audience for his show, yeah. which like of all of the shows that <laughs> would not really be suitable for a studio audience is his show, because it's not yeah. like he is funny. Um, no. It's just kind of like him ranting and raving and then you know interviewing republicans but um he's got a studio audience there and they applaud at the end of his segments and i can't imagine traveling to new york and spending your trip uh you know trip going to hannity's studio for his show but um i don't know i i guess he's, he must be doing he's doing something right i guess so he's falling in the ratings um significantly compared to tucker and the five and even Jesse Waters. So and he's the highest paid person on Fox News. So Hannity mm. is probably panicking a little bit. And that's why they've tried to mix up his format. And I oh, his out of all of the network shows, the uh, primetime shows, he's the one that I'm like all the time that I'm like, stay sure. away. Because I just he's just it's the, the same, same show over same and show, over again. Yeah. Same guest for reaction. We have Joe Concha. And I'm like, and Joe Concha will just say yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'll be like, 
I mean, I, I, I tuned in. I tuned in last night for the Trump interview just because I think it was the first time he's been interviewed on Fox. Probably maybe since, since that, January sixth. Mar- yeah. Did he have one after that? No, he, he had one. He had one. Uh, he was down in Mar-a-Lago. I did a sniff edit of it. Okay. It was a two-parter, and it was on Hannity. Okay. And it was. I don't remember when it was, but it was. I think it was like this summer or something. Uh, it was. I think it was after the. Uh, it was probably this fall. It was a two-part interview, a Wednesday and a Thursday. Uh, it was down at Mar-a-Lago. It was Hannity interviewing him. And they were talking about the Mar-a-Lago search. And I did a a two-part condensed. What I do is I take the whole hour and I bring it down to like two minutes or a minute and a half. That's like one of my favorite things to do, even though it's incredibly tedious and time-consuming. But I love condensing the stuff because it's like now you don't have to watch. Like my annotated, they're similar in that. My annotated, though, were my new favorite thing because I take Trump's voice out of it almost completely. Yeah, I saw I'm a lot of people to... commenting. I, I do want to ask you about that as yeah. well. The uh, the the annotated rally video that you did, but yeah, that's that's a valuable service to take his voice out. Because I, I my thing is, I sometimes you get people who mean don't I don't want to hear probably, it. Yeah, and I'm sure you deal with this too. Is the bigger the following you get, you just get kind of crazy feedback from every direction, and you just have to kind yeah. of like ignore it. But a couple of people were like, "Oh, you're elevating him." I said, "Actually, I took an hour and a half long speech." I condensed it down to less than two minutes or less than two minutes. He speaks for a few seconds in it. um, And I just tell the audience exactly what happened in the speech in a very dry, monotone, sarcastic way. I no emotion. I'm not all worked up. And I just say 20%. He said, poor me. 16%. Mm -hmm. He talked about, you know, uh, you know, promises or you know he bragged about things he didn't actually do eight percent he's he talked about promises that he would keep stuff like that and it's a way of showing people okay this is what happened in the speech but you don't have to watch it and we're certainly not going to keep those clips on a loop i think the problem with elevating him would be show the entire hour and a half long video Mm -hmm. speech and then do two hours of commentary on it well also with no fact checking you know as long as you're fact checking and kind of contextualizing stuff i mean the reality is that he's a republican presidential frontrunner so this whole talk about elevating i think kind of misses the point that you know it's not an elevation problem it's a problem that you know about 40 percent of americans seem to support this guy mm-hmm. and whether or not you know this idea that if you just pretend it's not happening it'll go away or that's the secret is just not giving him oxygen i think we're kind of past that point i mean you know oh, yeah. one thing with um if it's you know kind of this fringe figure that you are you know kind of pumping to your followers hey watch this or you know there's different ways of of um, amplifying something. And when you're doing it in the way that you do with a lot of fact checks and context, I think that um, hopefully people can understand that that's not an endorsement. Um, well, if anything, it, you're trying to pick it apart usually. So. Well, and it's also one of those things where you, you can't make everybody happy. Um, it's like, I didn't really notice how I knew this was going to happen, but it was like interesting to to feel it when you hit, like I'm at almost 80,000 followers right now. You have much bigger following than me. But uh, when I hit about 50,000 is just the, the general noise that you get in feedback and it's all sure. conflicting. And so you you cannot listen to it. You can't go, thank you for that note. Thank you for that note because they don't necessarily line up and they're actually, conf- they're conflicting. So you just have to mute or ignore and move on. <laughs> yeah. I mute so many people because it's like- Especially uh, these days with the paid verified. Yeah, oh I yeah, because yeah. I, get, I get people who like, I get, you get it from all sides. You get like the MAGA people are like, I hate you. You're an idiot. And they'll personally attack you. 
And then the left wing people will be like, you're not coming at them hard enough or you're elevating them or you're advertising for them. And they'll come at you and then you look at their feed and they're, they're, they're not making anything themselves. You know, they're just criticizing other people. And you're like, yay. And so yeah. like, there's always people you're going to upset. So it's just like, you know, whatever uh, you, you have to go, well, where, where am I getting like, and it's funny. Cause I always check, we know, cause when you you're on Twitter all day long and, or anything online, you can see how things perform mm -hmm. and that's how you can sort of gauge of like what works and what's not working, what's connecting, what's not connecting. Um, like anything about COVID-19 at this point, it just doesn't get, yeah, people, people are, are so tired don't of want it. to talk about it. Yeah. They're just so tired of it. Exhaustion. And I get it. And I get yeah. it. Um, but it's like COVID-19 doesn't perform well, even if it's like people really need to see it. So it's, you sort of have to be like careful about how you have to be judicious about like what you uh, try to highlight. Yeah. Because you know? uh, if you do everything, people are just they just tune it out because yeah. like, that's a topic that people are just so tired of. Whereas um, whereas other things like, you know, like like cat over at ms uh, over at media matters you know cat and i could probably do a four-hour montage of tucker carlson just being creepy <laughs> oh yeah like, i could do that all day <laughs> i mean just saying like i could spank it yeah you know, like lock me up put chains on me and spank me and you're like dude dude this is so obvious there's some deep issues going on here <laughs> like the weird um sexual bdsm comments that he just throws out there and you're like what are you doing there's a, there's a little bit of an incel flavor to to his show and yeah. you know i think that's part of the appeal with his with his yeah. viewers but, hey we just we just got a couple minutes left and i do want to get to just briefly before we're done the the trump waco rally which we've talked oh, about a couple yeah, times yeah, yeah. You, you did a annotated video kind of breaking down which you've already detailed a little bit the uh percentage of time he spent talking about various things what one interesting factoid that I did not realize until I saw your video is that Trump actually spent more time attacking DeSantis than he did Biden. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a Republican primary, so he obviously has to beat DeSantis to get to Biden. And so I guess there's a certain logic to that. But um, I don't know how many Trump rallies you've watched. I mean, I've watched pretty much all of them, but just kind of <laughs> interested for your big picture takeaways. Um, I thought the content of his speech was pretty meh. Um, there yeah. wasn't a whole lot new, you know, the location I thought was more the message having it in Waco near the 30, 30th anniversary of the FBI uh, standoff there. You know, there was some heavy symbolism involved in that. That was pretty grim. But uh, what what were your, your kind of uh, 30,000 foot takeaways from the Trump speech? Um, the creepy QAnon music, which I forgot to put in the annotation version because it was sort of like one layer. They, yeah. they, he had the creepy QAnon music going on for a minute. And that's been a normal that's yeah. a normal part of his speeches. now. Yeah. 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 And then I think also the um, you, you are right. He spent uh, he spent a lot more time ripping on DeSantis. And that went up measurably from the last rally that he held. He mentioned DeSantis a couple you know, for like two percent of his last rally. And then Waco was, went up to six percent. And the way I judge that is I basically just like probably about every half half minute to a minute and a half is usually how long he'll stick on a topic and they'll cut and keep moving. Sometimes he'll go on for like three minutes, which is rare, but he'll just be like that to sanctimonious DeSantis, that bad guy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. And then we change his topic. I cut and then I just see how long that was. I'm like, okay, that was a minute and a half. And so he barely ever talks about Biden. He'll complain about you know, the United States, like, oh, everything's horrible. Everything's terrible. Everything's horrible. And then very rarely would he actually say his name. He doesn't really say his name very often. And he'll say, oh, this Joe Biden, this Joe Biden. 
but it, yeah, he, it's not, it's more, it's almost like he thinks it's 2016 and he's doing the same exact campaign speech a little bit. He mentioned Hillary nine times. In the yeah. Last one. Well, there so wasn't weird. a lock her up chance. You know, yeah. I was waiting for that. Just the nine thick irony, times. The yeah, irony of that, but irony it, uh, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. His fans have, I guess, kind of moved on because there was a time where if Hillary's name was so much as mentioned Lock at a Trump rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lock her um, up for emails that didn't even exist. Well, I mean- and one quick parting question here is that um, I watched it kind of late at night. I, you know, so, you know, I watched the entire thing, but the spin on Fox the last couple of days has been that the crowd was quiet while Trump was attacking DeSantis and kind of the subtext being, this isn't really a big hit with the fans. Maybe rethink doing this, uh, Donald Trump. Did you notice that? I mean, I, I didn't notice that. I've, you know, I, I saw Fox kind of framing it this way, and I was like, really? Because it, it seemed like that was just kind of a normal part of his speech. It's not like people were going nuts. Yeah, but I, it, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the sense that his fans are like upset that he's attacking DeSantis at all. It, I didn't really get that. I mean, yeah. they weren't. They, you know, when they're worked up, they'll do the USA, USA. Yeah. Um, or they'll just start cheering his name or whatever. Um, I didn't notice them really. They they treated the DeSantis section like any other section. I didn't really I didn't see people getting quiet or or any sort of tension. I didn't. That's been on multiple Fox shows yesterday. No, their their presentation was, you know, the, the the crowd was quiet while Trump was attacking DeSantis. No. And um, they are just yeah. desperate to keep pushing DeSantis. My podcast that I'm about to record is Ron versus Don, because I last week, that's the trend I saw. I'm not even covering anything else because it, to me, it just took over the whole network. It was just Ron versus Don, Ron versus Don. And it was just like, I go through the whole week, Monday through Friday and show examples of them pushing one or the other and how kind of uh, schizophrenic the network is. They cannot figure it out. They really want to push Ron. Yeah. That's what I, my well, gut feeling is they really want to push Ron, yeah. but they will pivot on a dime if they think it'll save them. Keep the ratings up, keep the money flowing. And a lot of commentators, you know, want to kind of um, talk about Fox like it's one thing and it's really not. It depends, you know, as you you were saying, it it depends if you're listening to Brian Kilmeade or Sean Hannity, you know, and and so if you watch Hannity, you're going to think that they're still all in on Trump. And if you watch Kilmeade, you're going to think that they're pushing DeSantis. And so my sense is that there's some latitude hosts can kind of do what what they see fit at this point, as long as it's, you know, within the, they're not going to obviously be promoting Biden, but um, if Trump ends up being the nominee, I think they will quite clearly rally around him again oh, yeah. and it will become Trump propaganda TV again. But we got to leave it there. I'll have you back on in the future. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of news surrounding Fox as the primary heats up. But Juliet, thanks a lot for joining me. Everybody check out her work at Decoding Fox News. And I really appreciate you spending some time on this Tuesday morning with me. Thank you. Oh, and what's your uh, kitty cat's name? That's Thor. That's Thor. Little, he's little, but he's the most destructive one. He breaks well, everything. Thor, thank you for making a guest appearance. I'm looking around to see if there's a baby <laughs> nearby that I can. Oh, I, I think there. I think one's at daycare, one's napping. So your babies are so cute. Oh, thank you. Well, that's a good. After all of this dark stuff we've talked about, that's a good note to end it on. So thanks again, Juliet. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks so much. That does it for today's episode of the Aaron Rupar Show. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and also follow me on YouTube to watch the footage of the show each week. You can find me there at the Aaron Rupar Show. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so be sure to check out your feeds each week for a new installment of the show. And thanks for listening.